I love the way the First Gen Lounge makes me feel. Because it creates a space where I belong, where we're able to create community. The fact that it's a community. It's a safe place. It also gives me a place to understand different perspectives. The stories of these individuals prescribe transformational perspective. I receive encouragement, enlightenment, empowerment. And also serve as a catalyst to just keep going. Where we're able to be our true selves. I'm allowed to be an unapologetic first gen. And above all else, tell our story. And every episode is unique. I love it. I'm your host, Dr. Eve, and I'd like to welcome you to the First Gen Lounge. Beautiful people, beautiful people, beautiful people. So excited to have you here this week. Oh my goodness, we got another incredible guest who is, I'm going to say, as a gem dropper. I have enjoyed every conversation she and I have ever had. She's just somebody who's real, but she's just, you know, just uh, so much. I just, I adore her. And she's my Sarah. So of course, <laughs> maybe a little biased, but I have with us today, Latrice Sampson Richardson, who is an entrepreneur. She's therapist. She's just, I mean, bomb.com, a podcast host, like she does it all. So I don't like to tell everything about the person because nobody can tell their story like, you know, they can. So Latrice, good morning. Good day. Good morning, Sarah. How are you? Oh, goodness. I'm wonderful. And again, you know, we just had the most refreshing, look, re- refreshing pre-interview talk. <laughs> so it's just, I'm, I'm great, but I'm so glad to have you. Alas, Please tell everybody who you are. Tell us like, you know, your perspective on what you do and just all of your wonderfulness because you are truly wonderful. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Hey, y'all. My name is Latrice Sampson Richards. I am a mental and emotional wellness creative, a multi-state licensed professional counselor and a certified life enhancement coach. And I teach Black women the skills that we need to heal the mental and emotional blocks that are keeping us stuck. And I'm just so grateful to be here today. I appreciate you for reaching out. Shout out to Clubhouse, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Yes. So thank you for having me. Yeah. Thank you for being here. I'm just really curious off the bat, why a focus on Black women? I love Black women. And I believe that Black women, while we do understand the beauty that exists in us, I think that there's more of an awakening that's happening around that. I think that when it comes to healing, actual healing, it's just not something that is happening in the way that it needs to be happening across our community. I think that there's a lot of people out there, coaches and otherwise, who are really benefiting financially and and taking advantage of Black women who are ready for healing. They understand that we are in a place where we are ready to really step into the fullness of who we are and that we are desirous of healing in order to get to that place. But they also understand that it's a lucrative industry. And so it really bothers me that so many of us are taken advantage of by so-called gurus and things like that because the reality is that healing is a real thing and there are very real tangible steps that one can take 
to get to healing. And so I focus on Black women because I am a Black woman on my own healing process who has reached out to other so-called thought leaders and things like that who were just not able to help me. And I believe that it's my responsibility to make sure that Black women know that there is another option. We need to know that healing belongs to us, that it's not something that's just for everybody else. It's not something that's just a hot topic. It's not something that, you know, just looks good on the essence stage. Mm -hmm. Healing is a very real and tangible thing, and we all deserve it. It is our birthright. And so I focus on Black women because I I want us to heal. I'm glad you shared that because I know there can be fear sometimes behind focusing on a certain demographic, especially when that demographic is minority. And there seems to be this stigma around, or this this myth, that's what I'm going to say too, around Black people not supporting each other. Would you be willing to share with us your experiences though, just even just an entrepreneurship and having that support and knowing that it exists? Absolutely. I I tell people all the time, you know, I hate when people say black people don't support, black people don't support because that has not been my experience. Mm-hmm. And even when I did have moments where I felt unsupported, when I really sat down and examine the situation, I realized that I didn't have my stuff together, even if they were going to support me, Mm. you know? And that maybe my lack of business knowledge or my, you know, my inability to really put forth a packaging that sold the thing that I was selling could possibly have contributed to to people not supporting it or not supporting it in droves, I'll say. But in terms of overall support, that was not my experience. I think that if you are the kind of person that supports other people, then you will find the community of people who support you. And so I think a lot of times people, we post things or we, we, you know, in business, we post things or we share things with our family members. We send out text messages and things like that. And we're like, you know, oh, I'm doing baskets now or, oh, I'm making soap now or, oh, I'm doing this. I'm doing that. Come buy a plate. Come do this. And it's like, that's not your audience. Mm. That's not who would be interested in your product. And so as a business person, it's it's not fair to rely on your family to be your customers hmm. because they're not. They are not your target audience. And so you have a responsibility to your business to go out there and reach your target audience. And so I think that the same thing exists inside of the Black community. We are a very vast and diverse community. And so your Black people that you know, your friends on Facebook, are likely the same kind of Black folk that you are, right? Or or similar, right? But that doesn't necessarily mean that they are your target audience. Who is the audience that's going to purchase the thing that you're providing? Who is the audience that has the ability to purchase the thing that you're selling, right? Like you have to do your due diligence to reach out and connect to your audience, even within the Black community. All Black folk is not your audience. There's so many different subsets and categories of Black folk. There's no one way to be a Black person. So you have to figure out 
who your audience is and then talk to them directly. You know, you talking today. <laughs> you saying something today. The part that I'm really stuck on and I just appreciate it is saying people don't support me, but the people you're asking to support aren't your target. Yeah. That's huge. Mm-hmm. I mean, I see it honestly. I think I see it a lot when people are just starting businesses and, you know, they say on Facebook, well, I see who got my back. I see who support me. No, you don't. Because sometimes people supporting you is that they didn't told a couple friends about something that you're doing. And those people purchased from you. And those are the strangers to you. But they came to you on the backs of somebody who knew you. Absolutely. And I just think, you know, I stopped thinking and feeling that way when I figured it out myself that my mama not my target. So I shouldn't expect for her to be showing up, spending money on some stuff that has nothing to do with her. Absolutely. <laughs> I, I learned that lesson. When I first started doing live streams, I've been doing live streams about four years now. And I remember when I first started doing live streams, my daddy, I went to my parents' house and my daddy was like, you know, well, well, I saw your little thing that you did on Facebook. I said, oh yeah, daddy. Yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't like that. I, I I don't like when people be talking about all their business. You shouldn't be telling people all your business like that. If I turn on the thing and, and I see somebody talking about all their business, I'm going to turn it off. I don't want to see that. And I looked at my dad I said, well, daddy, I ain't talking to you. <laughs> you're, not the, you're not the person I'm trying to get to tune in. The people that I'm trying to get to tune in, they want to hear it. They're interested in what I have to say. They're interested in what's going on in my life because they're trying to figure out the same stuff in their own life. You know what I'm saying? And so my daddy is not my target audience. And so when he gives me feedback about my work, I am appreciative of it. And I do take it into consideration because my daddy is an intelligent man. But at the end of the day, I have to do what makes sense for me and for my business. Mm. And because he does not understand my business, he's not the person that I would go to to help me make decisions about my business. Mm-mm. Talking that talk today. She didn't tell daddy though. I ain't talking to you. Listen, I told him just <laughs> like that, girl. Just like that. You got a black daddy though. What did he do? He well, you know, I'm I'm the baby. You know, I'm the youngest in my family, and I'm definitely a daddy's girl. So, you know, he just kind of put his head down. He said, well, I was just letting you know. I said, all right, dear. Thank you, daddy. I appreciate that feedback. Thank you. And then you from New Orleans on that pass me the gumbo and be quiet. (laughs) (laughs) Come on, let's go get a pogo or something, you know? Hello? Listen, oh my gosh, I miss being down there. You just in the deep south because I lived in Hattiesburg for a little while. And just just being in that culture, just that spirit, just just that southern, I don't know something about it. But that's funny. But man, I miss those quick trips to New Orleans. Though I definitely yeah. But my daddy got people in Hattiesburg, so shout out to Hattiesburg. My daddy was born in Mississippi and moved to New Orleans from young. My mother is like multiple generation New Orleanians, Mm. born and raised. And so they ended up growing up not far from each other. And they met through mutual friends that were dating at the time that have since grown to hate each other. And Mm. but we still together, though, you know, we still together. It's been almost 50 years. My parents have been married. Wow. That's beautiful. I I love that. That's beautiful. Shout out to mom and pops for that, Mm. you know, because I know, you know, just in this day and age, we talk about black love or this millennial love or, you know, it's 
I ain't trying to get on the soapbox, but I'm just do it real quick. <laughs> I think, you know, we think about relationships and healthy relationships. I think social media too much influences what relationships look like today mm-hmm. because everybody's trying to have the likable love and not the real love. And so they want, you know, to be able to show it off. But then behind closed doors, they're not really happy. Yeah. And, you know, so when I think about people like your parents who really been together before all this even came about, these people who really love each other. So I talk to them about relationships, you know, because I feel like they have more to offer than people who it looks good. But then we look up and up oh, divorce. <laughs> you know what I'm right. saying? Right. Goodness. Shout out to them. So, yeah, we just thinking again talk a lot about entrepreneurship and it's so much you have learned what even made you want to pursue entrepreneurship especially just being in a therapy role because that's quite the task to take on yeah it's so interesting because whenever people ask me this question specifically about becoming a therapist or becoming a a counselor like what made you want to do that the only answer that I really have is that I really didn't choose it. I kind of feel like it chose me. Mm. I'm a very, you know, I'm like a flower child girl. If I ain't got to wear shoes, I ain't got no shoes on right now. Uh, <laughs> one of my favorite parts about the quarantine is that draws and bra is optional. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so I, I'm that girl. I'm a free bird. I want to be a free bird. I'm a Leo. I just want to, you know, graze in the sun and and have people worship me, you know? And so I'm never really been the type to plan a whole lot. I just kind of go with what my gut feeling is. Mm-hmm. I kind of listen to what the universe is telling me and I trust my instincts about things. And so I actually didn't know what I wanted to do. My mother wanted me to be a teacher, but I knew I didn't want to do that because I like kids, but, you know, only in spurts. Yeah. And so <laughs> especially <laughs> other people's kids, you know, so I decided to major in English. I got to freshman orientation and that was back when that That was actually the last semester that they had paper academic books like with the mm-hmm. uh, the course catalog mm-hmm. it's like a little newspaper and that was the last year that they did that the, f- the next year they went to uh, digital but I was flipping through the course catalog and I saw psychology and it said that psychology is the study of human behavior And I was like, oh, wow, I never even heard that word before. I never heard the word psychology before, but I was very interested in human behavior. I'm a people watcher. I always have been. I'm so fascinated by the human existence and the reality that or the fact that in all of human existence, which dates back way farther than our human minds can even comprehend, that in in all of those unknown billions of years, there has never been and will never be another person exactly like you. Mm, that's real. I mean, that's that's and that's crazy to me. So I just love people and I love learning about people and understanding people, how people work, how people operate. And I think it's it's important for human beings to understand how human emotion works Mm. because it gets us into a lot of trouble, but it also gives us, you know, all of the things that we need in order to survive. Mm, Absolutely. Can dig that. And the flip side, you know, entrepreneurship is definitely something that, you know, I said I, I found to be challenging, but I enjoy it. So what has been the most challenging part of this experience for you? 
Yeah, I think for me, the, the most difficult part of it has been kind of getting my confidence around making decisions as a business owner and really just deciding for myself that when it comes to business, I need to trust my instincts as well. I think that, you know, I was talking about trusting my gut and things like that. And that's for my life in general and especially in the work that I do. But when it came to business, I was so caught up in what people say you should and shouldn't do or what your business should or should not look like. And you got to kind of fit the mold. But like I said, you know, I'm a free bird. I don't do molds well. That's just not I'm not that girl. Hmm. And so I had to make the decision that I'm going to do this my way. And even though it may not be the most popular way or the most common way, or maybe even the most efficient way, to be honest, it's my way and it's the way that that works for me. And so just making a decision to trust my business instincts, even if those instincts don't necessarily align with what the popular culture would say it needs to be. Somebody may be asking right now, what is a business instinct? So a business instinct is, it's a spark. It's a moment. It's a it's the decision making that you have to do as a business owner. You know, one of the things that shocked me more than anything about business ownership is how emotional that process is. I just, I didn't realize that it would be such an emotional process, but those emotions are there to, to guide you through your decision making. And so really getting in tune with yourself and understanding how you operate, understanding what you value, what's important to you, what are your strengths, what are your areas of, of opportunity, opportunities for growth, like understanding who you are on a really deep and meaningful level helps you to be able to hear and, you know, yield to your instincts. So if you get a proposition from someone to partner on, you know, on a project, well, in that moment, your body, the universe, your internal being is talking to you. Your, you Maybe your belly is, you know, you start getting the bubble guts or something like that. You know <laughs> what I'm saying? Like that's that's an instinct. That's a that's a different kind of feeling. You have to think about instincts across the board is is a little something extra that you don't get on a normal basis. When you wake up in the morning and you're trying to find an outfit or figure out what you want to wear for that day, you're standing in front of the, the closet you're not getting butterflies in your stomach about that red shirt. It's just like, do I want to wear the red shirt or do I want to wear the black shirt? Well, you know, I feel like I want to be a little feisty today. I'm going to wear the red shirt. But mm. your stomach is not fluttering. Your heart rate is not racing. You're not getting all of that extra stuff. So you don't get that for every decision that needs to be made. But when you do experience it, that's an indication that this is something that you need to pay attention to, that this is a decision that has the potential to impact your life in a very deep and meaningful way. And so you need to really know that you can trust yourself in making that decision. If my stomach is fluttering and I'm saying something don't feel right about this, then something ain't right about this and I need to walk away from it. But if my stomach is fluttering and it's saying, I think this could be very powerful, then this could be very powerful. I need to 
gather more information about this, I might need to explore this. You get what I'm saying? So it's it's being in tune with your body, being in tune with your mind, being in tune with your spirit, and ultimately just being in tune with your internal being so that you can feel confident enough to trust that little something extra and pay attention to everything else that's going on surrounding that because it's providing additional information about what that feeling means. Hmm. So what about the person who says, well, I'm just stuck though and I don't know what to do or I'm just stuck because I'm, I'm scared. What do you tell them? I tell them that they need to work that out. You know, the, the reality is that feeling stuck is typically comes back to your emotional experiences. There's some type of trauma. Trauma keeps us stuck, right? Mm. And so sometimes it's it's very rarely, to be honest, it's very rarely the trauma itself. It's very rarely the actual thing that happened. What what really keeps us stuck is how we think about the thing that happened, how we feel about the thing that happened. That's what is actually keeping us stuck. So that's why I focus on our mental and emotional blocks, right? Because everything else is an obstacle. And an obstacle is a problem that requires a solution. But a mental and emotional block, that's an internal thing, right? A block is is internal. A block requires resolution, You have to resolve those things. You have to confront those things. And until you do that, you're going to continue to feel stuck. So everything that I teach is around how to get yourself unstuck. How do you confront these things? How do you confront your thoughts? How do you confront your emotions in a way that's healthy and transformative? Not in the way that you've been doing it, which is either to act like it didn't exist or to lash out against yourself or lash out against other people, continuing to make horrible decisions, trying to cover up the fact that you feel the way that you feel or that you think the way that you think. And ultimately forcing yourself to stay in the place that you loathe because you're afraid to feel. That's interesting because I don't think we often really pay attention to or realize. I mean, I've realized it in the past few months, to be for real with you. But I think in general, how much what we are going through as people and what we've experienced, including the trauma, shows up in our professional spaces, you know, even as entrepreneurs. And like you said, until we address it, we will keep running into certain blocks because, I mean, for example, If you are somebody who has challenges with confronting conflict because in your family growing up, it wasn't something that you really did because there was no space and room to do it. When conflict happens in your business, you have issues addressing that too. Yes. And then that can be a hindrance because that may be messing up a business relationship or maybe keeping you from making a sale or getting a referral or all kinds of things. So even when you think about healing, healing is for the totality of your life, especially in the entrepreneurial lane, because when you're an entrepreneur, everything comes to the surface. Yes. 
And sometimes stuff is happening. You don't even know why it's happening because it's something that's happened in your life personally that you haven't dealt with. So the fact that you were telling us to be accountable, to be responsible, but to find the help and support we need on a level deeper, I'm grateful for that because I, I know how necessary it is and how much me removing some blocks from childhood has even helped me navigate in this journey as well. Absolutely. A hundred percent. It's all connected. Mm, but why don't you think we give it more attention, though? Like, you know, is it because especially like, you know, a lot of black people and, and the stigma around mental health or just what is it in your thought and your opinions? Well, I mean, I think, yes, um, there's a component of that. But I also think that there is specifically when it comes to business, there is this narrative that has been widely accepted that, you know, what it means to be a business owner and what it means to be successful is to ignore your feelings, to, you know, to ignore the way that you feel about something, to just be stone cold and to just, you know, be cutthroat or to be ruthless. And you got to, to be a, a, a go-getter is to, you know, be an asshole. And I just... I think that that narrative is a very, it's a narrative, honestly, that I think comes from trauma. Hmm. It was built in trauma. That's not our narrative. That's a narrative that we have adopted from people who were so traumatized themselves that they internalized it and traumatized an entire race of people. Mm -hmm. And so I think that we have to really examine that and, and examine whether or not that's something that is applicable across all cultures, because I don't believe that it is. And so, you know, I think more than anything, we have been socialized to believe that to be powerful, you cannot have emotion. Hmm. That emotion or vulnerability somehow weakens you. And I just, I don't believe that to be true. I think it actually strengthens you because not only are you considering things from a logical perspective, but you're also considering things from an emotional perspective. You're considering things from an empathic perspective. You're considering how your customer is going to experience you, your business, and your product. You're considering how your business partners are going to experience you, your business, and your product. You're considering how your advertisers are going to experience you, your business, and your product. And the way that they experience you, your business, and your product makes a difference in the level of success that you're able to attain. So you have to consider the effects that your behaviors will have on the people around you because collaboration is the only way to build something of substance that can last. You might be able to make a quick dollar. You might be able to make a quick turnover or something like that, but it's not going to last because either you will end up being so emotionally distraught and destroyed that you're not able to maintain the success that you were able to build or your relationships are going to be so trash that ain't nobody going to try to be working with you after people stop 
rocking with you. You get what I'm saying? Like once your once your 15 minutes is over, then you're going to find out in a real difficult and hard way that your 15 minutes is over. I mean, some people just want to be on with what's hot. And once you're no longer hot, they don't want to be on with you. They don't need to tolerate you anymore. So it's about building deep and meaningful relationships in business. And that starts with really allowing yourself to be seen and considering how other people experience you. Hmm, that's real talk. The emotional part that gets me is thinking about the fact that we buy off of emotion. So everything is emotion. In spite of what people are thinking, oh, it's not emotion, it's logic. Well, <laughs> you feel some kind of way about a dirty house, so you go get a mop. That was an emotional decision. Yes, it made sense, it was logical, but you know how it makes you feel to be in a house that's not clean. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, the same thing, you know, we buy soap because we don't want to feel insecure about being stinky. So, like, a lot of things, believe it or not, yes, while there's logic and there's thought behind it, it, it all ends up being emotional. That's why when I think about a lot of copy, people talk about when they write their copy or copy is written, you want to appeal to a person's emotion. Mm-hmm. And so that's funny that you say that because regardless of how much the data says what, you know, I mean, the data gives us number, the numbers don't lie. I get that. But at the end of the day, what drives those numbers is the emotion. So that was a great thing to to bring up and to point out. And I think, like I said, our best leaders are people who have a humanistic way about them mm-hmm. because emotions, they drive us. People want to feel cared about. They want to feel seen. They want to feel secure. Maslow's hierarchy of needs. It doesn't, you know, just exist at home. It exists everywhere we are. Yes. And that's why I think once you understand that, unless you understand human nature, what you took, you know, the liberty to do with your studies, then you can definitely understand how to be uh, more impactful, not powerful, but more impactful because mm-hmm. powerful doesn't mean that you're making a difference. So nah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. And impact is power. You know, mm. impact is power. Somebody will remember you that you, it's like, how did you remember me? Uh, I used to do military counseling and it was like travel counseling. And so I remember I did, they used to have these little events called yellow ribbon events, which are like special events for service members and their families on base, like a Christmas event or, you know, like just a, a nice little family day kind of event. And so they used to have a set up tables to promote the program. And so I remember I was at a Christmas event at the table, just passing out information, talking to families. Hey, Merry Christmas. How you doing? Messing around with the little kids and stuff like that. About a year and a half later, I ended up back on that same base before a six month assignment at that point in the child development center. And on my first day, I walked into one of the rooms and they were introducing me. They said, this is Miss Latrice, everybody. And you're talking about like three or four year old kids, right? And well, I think it was the five-year-olds, actually. And one of the little girls, she pointed at me. She said, hey, I remember you. And I was like, I'm pretty sure I ain't never seen you before, sis. I don't know you, you know? And she was like, (laughs) she said, no. She said, you were there when Santa was there. And I was like, oh my God. I said, I was there when Santa was there. So that little girl apparently was with her family at that event and they came to my table and got information and she remembered me from that less than one minute interaction. She remembered who I was over a year later. Mm. 
You never know when you've had an impact on somebody's life. That is powerful that I was not even aware that I made an impact on that child's life. And, and here and a year later, not just like a couple days, a couple weeks, a year later, a year later. Yeah, that's 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 beautiful because how we show up naturally, who we are, who we are intentional about being, which you talked about earlier, when we are that it's amazing what we're able to do and not even realize we're doing it. That's what I'm saying, because yeah. I would be like, oh, my gosh, what? And I've had moments you know, before where someone was like, do you remember about four years ago? And I'm like, um, don't even start. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't remember, like it's so much happened, but to right. know that it was a conversation you had or something that you shared or just how you showed up that's made a difference is, is beautiful. It's everything. I love it. Mm-hmm. But the time has flown. We have, you know, we have had such an amazing conversation and, you know, just like, we can keep talking. We keep going on and on because, you know, when we, when we start talking, we talk, talk. Oh, yes. But I do want to, you know, be mindful of those who are listening so that they can, look, get on about your day, whatever you're doing. But definitely just want to know from you, though, what is the piece of advice or the words, the wisdom that you would like to leave us with? Hmm. I think if I only have one thing to share, I will want that to be who you are is sufficient. And I mean that in every sense of the word, with your current flaws and all, who you are, the way that you show up today in this moment is sufficient to get whatever goals you have accomplished to create whatever vision that you might have for yourself to manifest whatever dream that you might could possibly conjure up. Who you are today is sufficient. And because who you are today is sufficient, you have everything that you need to become the version of yourself that you most aspire to be. And just remember that. Mm, I'm with that. I'm with that, Latrice. Thank you for that, for that reminder, especially for those of you who may be at a time in your life right now where it seems like what you're doing isn't enough and how you're doing it just ain't it. That reminder is everything. And, you know, that's enough for today, tomorrow and the next few years. (laughs) So (laughs) I appreciate you. But listen, for those of you who have tuned in, we just want to thank you for being here again. It's always amazing to share incredible space with folks. Um, and just again, remember that you can go check out the show notes to contact Latrice. And we just try to make it easy for you that rather than having to try to scribble right quick. Just go to the show notes, click the link at the bottom, you know, to connect you directly to her and to learn more about her work and what she's doing and just, you know, how you can continue to join forces to change the world with her but Sora thank you so much for just your time you make me want to hurry up and get to New Orleans so I can come hang out yeah and um just you know to continue to show up in only the ways that you can do and thank you just for how you are doing your part to change the world too absolutely Sarah you know I I appreciate you and you know I just want you to know from the bottom of my heart that I am proud of you. You are amazing. And it is my honor to be a part of your world. So thank you. Mm, Wow. My gosh. Thank you. Thank you so much. Oh, man. Okay. (laughs) All right. 